Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Christmas to you. <laughs> Some of you still drunk out there. Maybe you're still eating turkey. I don't know. Whatever the case may be, my co-host Amo Calamino and I are here to talk sports with you for the next hour here on the Gridiron Stud Show, and there are some things to address. Are there not, Amo? Oh, we got a lot of stuff besides, as usual, besides what happened on the field, because there's always something going on that just doesn't pertain to necessarily between the white lines. Well, that's how these things roll. Nowadays, uh, you can't just have what's happening on the field because, you know, that's just boring. You do have to bring in the off the field stuff, and I'm sure we will discuss some of that here over the next hour. Also, some college football bowl games that have gone down already, more to come. We will discuss some of those that have uh, passed by through us here. Also, review our picks, in which we did pretty well this, uh, this past week, picking bowl games as we're a better college football uh, handicappers this year. If you we want to call us that. Better college football handicappers than we've been NFL handicappers this year. Although uh, my co-host did have a good weekend in the NFL. And um, I did not, but we will discuss that also as well and discuss some of the NFL games yesterday. The races uh, are coming, well, really, they're, they're down at the nitty-gritty. Um, and we pretty much know, have a pretty good idea who's going to do what. Although there's a little bit of a cluster still in the, in the AFC, if I'm not Correct on that. Yeah, right? the AFC still got some uh, unfinished business. Let's put it that way. That that's going to get finished up uh, this week. Yeah, um, some surprising things there in the NFL. If we could just start our discussion there, it's um, it's you know what the what the New York Jets quietly the New York Jets have had themselves a pretty damn good season, Amel, and no one's really been you know able to talk about it because there have been some other things that have been going on in in the NFL of course that's you know the Patriots hot start the Carolinas uh you know hot start and you know what Denver's doing what Kansas City's been doing lately but quietly the New York Jets are in second place and uh on the uh on the cusp of getting himself a playoff berth at 10 and 5 Amo who would have thought going into this season especially as um, Geno Smith laid half unconscious with a broken jaw that the New York Jets would find themselves in this position right now. Not you and me, brother. <laughs> I can be very certain of that. I don't know what we predicted in our pre preseason show. It wasn't definitely it wasn't double digit wins for the New York Jets, I can guarantee you that. And then to add to that, they go out and um they always play the New England Patriots tough. They played them so tough yesterday. They won the ball game. How about that? They did their best Jets though. You know, I mean, because we'll talk about that in the pick section. I had some interest because of my, my selections. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I watched that, and I'm saying to myself, here we go, the Jets doing their – because if you watch that, I mean, did you get a chance to see much of that game? 
Uh, no, you know, I was doing a red zone thing. I was with some family yesterday, but okay, uh, yeah. Well, that's you know, we'll we'll give you a pass. I won't be firing you. Uh, but I was sitting here. I got home, and you know, I got to see a good chunk of the the, the second half of that game. I you know, I had the package, and I'm, it was the game I was caught, most interested in. The Jets had dominated the football game. They were up seventeen three. You know, Brady looked. Pardon me. It seemed as though that's what was going on. They, they were oh, dominant. no, no. The, the, the Patriots couldn't go anywhere. Brady was getting hit. You know, he's bringing pressure. So the score is 17-6. The Jets have the ball. Still in total control of the game. And what what happens is Fitzpatrick gets sacked, fumble, scoop, score. Before you know it, it's 17-13. And the Jets, you know, regain sort of control. They have a seven-point lead. And then the movie that I've seen so many times before, Brady gets the ball, uh, does something he hadn't done all day drives the Patriots right down the field for the game-tying touchdown, and the game goes to overtime, and I figured, well, I know how this one ends. Right. But the Jets surprised me. They did. Um, you know, sometimes crossing that hurdle and beating the, the nemesis or the big bad wolf or all that, sometimes there's a, a moment at some point in the game, usually towards the end for these teams, uh, where you start to wonder if you should be actually beating this team. And I think the Jets had that moment and uh, overcame it. So we'll see what that does for their confidence going ahead. These two may match up again in, in the postseason. Who knows? You know, we and, and we'll see about that. Well, you know, in watching the Patriots and not overreact, trying not to overreact to their losses, you know, because I think sometimes we do that. But, you know, and I've been saying this with you, I think you agree with me for a couple weeks. There's just some things there that I think fans are expecting them to all of a sudden magically fix that I don't think are magically going to get fixed. I mean, yeah, they'll get Edelman back, I suppose, and, and that'll help their passing game. But they really can't run the ball very much. And their offensive line, you know, Brady gets hit a lot. And, and like most quarterbacks, when he gets hit, he's really, you know, not the same guy. And he got, you know, he's been getting hit the last three, four, five weeks a lot. And they have some injuries on the offensive line. It stems from not having a running game. Nothing to really fear the pass rush, slow them down. Um, and, and that makes it harder on the offensive line. So, you know, uh, these are some things we saw that coming their way, how they go about trying to work their way around them, because I don't know that they're going to fix them. They have right now a running game by committee, by average committee. Um, and that's not, that's not going to really get it done for them. It's going to be interesting to see how they work their way around that. Well, you know, I guess my, I guess I think in a, in a little way, uh, in a little bit of a sort of, they've, they've kind of gotten lucky the way the AFC's broken. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Pittsburgh crapping the bed yesterday, if that holds, really helps New England because I felt like, you know, Pittsburgh was starting to play some decent football, and you know the, their offense maybe could be something in that. You know, you look at the AFC. Okay, you got the Jets in there, and I mean the Jets. I guess at this point are a threat to win the AFC because they can play some defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bengals are hard to take seriously without you know a quarterback that's had any experience. Uh, the Texans are have had Brandon Whedon play yesterday, albeit pretty decent, but again, it's Brandon Whedon. So, I mean, you know, I look I look, and maybe it's hard for me to even take Kansas City seriously because I watched their game yesterday, and they did their damnedest to try to lose at home to Cleveland in a game they needed. But the point is, Emil, they did end up winning the game. 
unlike, you know, Carolina, I, I mean, you're not going to be at your, your tip top each and every time. You know what I'm saying? So um, That's true. It's a very, very valid point, especially in professional football. I mean, I guess I got to take the Chiefs as a real threat at this point to New England. Um, I'm going to take the Jets as a threat. Um, I'll see what Cincinnati does tonight. I'm very interested in, in for the first time in, I don't know about you, in a couple weeks where the Monday night game has me uh, interested in watching because both teams playing young guys at quarterbacks, both teams have really good defenses. And I'm kind of curious to see who steps up in this kind of big game uh, because one of these teams, I think, with their defenses could give New England a problem. I just want to see who gets the quarterback play. Yeah, uh, it looks like the you know the big thing for New England though is that they're going to get that home field advantage. It appears that that's what's going to happen for them here, um, and that's you know that's going to be a big thing for them I think this year around. So you mean you don't see the Dolphins beating them next week? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I don't really see the Dolphins beating anyone but themselves as they've done for several weeks. I don't even know what to make of that franchise name right now. I, it's it's so bad that I don't and you know I'm a guy who has an opinion on a lot of these things I don't even know where you start right now with the Miami Dolphins it's it's uh, it's clear to me though as it is to many other people that you can't Ryan Tannehill's not the answer I said this when he was drafted been saying this since um, he's been a quarterback for the Miami Dolphins it's just not the answer and I don't know what you do with that spot. Um, the Rams are still looking for a quarterback. So how long do you go with this whole Tannehill thing? I think each year that you do that, you delay yourself from re-entry into the games that matter in the NFL. And and then, um, man, I don't know. I, it's almost like let's blow the whole thing up. Let's get rid of the owner. Let's start there. Let's get an owner that that can make the right moves, starting with the with the front office. But yeah, I don't. I you know I'm like you. The Dolphins are a franchise that. They perplex me in a lot of ways because, generally speaking, I don't think their roster is horrible. But for some reason, it just doesn't fit together, if that makes any sense. I don't think it's like – I don't look at the Dolphins and see the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I look at the Dolphins and say, you know, they got a bunch of square pegs and round holes. And, you know, when I, if it was a puzzle, it just wouldn't fit together. And yeah, I, I think so. Of uh, Italian food and Cuban food and American food and – Indian food just there being handed to someone. And, you know, sometimes you put all that together and swallow it, you get an upset stomach. And I think that's what every Dolphin fan um, had sitting in that stadium. Well, maybe they need what happens after you do all that. You get an explosion. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's going to come out of some end of somewhere. But jumping, you know, let me slide off that right quick and say, I noticed something yesterday that I, it, it seems crazy that I've never noticed it before. When watching a Dolphin game, and I don't know if this is new, so I may sound like a complete idiot. There's a pass thrown out of the end zone, and uh, the the camera pans, obviously, following the football. And it, it right behind the wall that, you know, protects the uh, players from the, from the fans or vice versa, there are reclining seats at Sun Life Stadium. And, well, I don't know. I was there in that stadium maybe, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, went to go watch them play the Giants. Um, yeah. fortunate enough to have, um, you know, a suite. But as I'm walking around through that place, there are there, there's a tremendous amount of people at that stadium not at all paying attention to what's going on on the field. And we have these monstrous stadiums now. Um, and I'm not just going to attack, you know, Sun Life Stadium, but this is what we're building. 
And every it seems like everything about the stadium is there to distract you from the football game that's being played. So what do we have as fandom at these at these contests, and most specifically NFL football games? Because you've been to several different stadiums. Well, I mean, I think I think you're asking a couple of questions there. You, we know why they do it, um, but you're asking a guy who's been on this train since the Cowboys built that palace they have. Every person who goes there says. Oh, it's the best stadium I've ever been to in my life. Well, yeah, that that's great. But except for one thing, it's not very intimidating to the opposing team now, is it? No. I mean, bring back the Orange Bowl where you had $10 tickets. You know, this is the comment that I made because I was watching the game with my, with my family, and I saw the seats, and we were all talking about it. And I said, you know, for God's sakes, those seats right there shouldn't be for someone that's trying to fall asleep at the football game. Never mind the safety issue, but you got reclining seats. That spells, you know, sleep. But those seats should be for fans who got in there cheap and are ready to throw spark plugs and diesel batteries at the opposing team and the quarterback and just be a, just a complete menace to the other squad. But here you are giving them to wine sippers that want to recline and fall. Why would you want to recline right there in those seats? Why would you even want to well, be in a recline anywhere in the stadium for crying listen, out loud? Listen, we sound old, and I'm sure we could – I'd love to get one of these talking heads that played in the NFL to, on the show someday to, so so they could go and, and read the company line to us and tell us that that doesn't really matter and they play. But I'm telling you right now, I don't care what they tell me, it matters. Okay. There's there's a reason teams like the Dolphins and the Cowboys don't have home field advantages. Because you go to those stadiums and it's comfortable, it's beautiful, you're the opposing team. Hell, you want to go there and play. It's like, wow, this is a great road trip. Yeah, I mean, it's just that whole factor um, of intimidation is is completely gone. I'll like, give you a high school example. Uh, we, when I first started coaching at university school, we had to go play a game at Pahokee High School, which has been responsible for putting several players in the National Football League. They have tremendous athletes out there. But on top of that, that venue was the most intimidating thing for anyone going in there. First of all, dimly lit. You got to walk by a barbecue pit that's on the home side. So you got to walk through the, the, their players, their fans, all that, just to get to your side of the field. And it was just a complete, a totally intimidating atmosphere. And Pahokee killed it there. Now, they went and built this new stadium sponsored by, uh, I want to say it was um, not Pat Swilling, Ricky Jackson, who's a Pahokee native. You remember Ricky Jackson played for the Yes, Saints? I do. Um, Ricky Jackson, I think, donated some money. Uh, or it may, may have been Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden, who's also an, uh, you know, an alumni at Pahokee High School. It was actually... a um, Anquan Bolin, who donated some money. They went and created this stadium. Nice, you know, nice structure. But you go there to play that game, and we went a year after, um, and it was the nicest play to, place to go play football. The whole intimidation atmosphere was gone. Um, in the two games that we went to the previous uh, stadium at Pahokee, we were completely smashed. I, won, well, I think it went, one was 64 to nothing and then 45 to 6. Um, and then when we came back and played them in a the nice new palace, we beat them 63-7. to Now, mind you, some other things happened there that led to... Right, of course, but but the, the, the overarching thing is, I get your point, I mean, there's a, the, there's a certain intimidation, and if you really look around the NFL today, there's very few venues left um, that have that, and the ones that do seem to have a home field advantage. I mean, 
you you know Pittsburgh Granite Heinz Field is new, but it's uh, it's cold. The, the fans are into it. Pardon? Have you been to Heinz Field? I know I haven't. I've been to Lambeau. That was next on my list. Now Lambeau's been redone. They've put a couple hundred million into the facade and to the underbelly of the stadium where the Hall of Fame is of the Packers. But it's yeah. Talk to me about the places that you've been because you're a guy who will occasionally travel. Yeah, Lambeau's Lambeau's just intimidating for an opposing team. It's a nice stadium as far as you walk in. It's all new brick and stuff like that. They've redone it, but the field itself is is you know it's like a giant college stadium the fans are loud it's cold i mean sure i they have luxury boxes like every other stadium but it's not anything close to what you 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 know you've seen in some of these new parks you know people you could go do an online tour of the new cowboy stadium and look around it you know you'll see youtube stuff it's nowhere near that i've been to the old cowboy stadium that was a piece of crap but you know what they had a big home field advantage Mm -hmm. um the Raiders, I've never been there. I know people who have. They say that's an old stadium, the Coliseum. You you lived out in you know, Los Angeles. I don't know if you ever got up to Oakland, but that's, mm-hmm. that's an old venue. The old Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia, that was intimidating. I mean, they're throwing batteries that the place was built in the 70s. It was, it was ugly, but right. it was intimidating. The old Giant Stadium I've been to. I've been to the new one. Um, the new one is nowhere near like the old one. The old one was just harsh looking. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I... I understand it's owners. Dead though, Amel. I mean, slowly but surely, they're all going to be gone. I don't know how long Lambo will, will, you know, will hang on. It would probably seem like a venue if, if that would hang around the long. Well, that's like Wrigley. I mean, that, I mean, I have a feeling that's not going anywhere because it's historic. Now, I've been down to the Dolphin Stadium, as you, I told you, probably now it's seven, eight years ago yeah, for well, a Cowboys-Dolphins game. Nothing intimidating about the Dolphin Stadium. You walk in there, I mean, matter of fact, I ordered myself a very nice Cuban sandwich down there. I had a really good time in that stadium. Yeah, I'm I'm just, bring that stuff back. And, you know, what type of fan really needs all that anyway? You know, you come out of the suites, you're walking through. There are actual areas where um, you can't see the field, obviously. Um, um, But, you know, people are eating, no one's looking at the monitor. Now that could have something to do with the Dolphins season that they were having, but it's it's just blows me away. Like, why are you people here? Go 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 to the Grove. Go go to the Fort Lauderdale Strip somewhere. Go have dinner there. Why are you here at this stadium if you're not cheering for the home team or paying attention to anything that's going on on the field? It just seems completely ridiculous to me. Well, it ties back into the a larger conversation and the type of fan the NFL is really going for to get incremental income is the the person who just wants to say they were there. Almost like the NBA. If you really look at NBA games and take a look around, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that go to NBA games, especially the big ones, just to yeah. say they were there. Sure. Uh, I mean, and that's ridiculous. So, I mean, uh, uh, at the same time you're growing the game, uh, are they killing the game at the same time? you got to wonder. So, well. Yeah. It depends what you mean by killing it. I mean, for for guys like us and fans like us that love the passion of sports, yes, for them, for them, for them, they're getting, um, you know, they're getting positive confirmation that they're not killing the game in in the form of their revenue because it keeps going up. I mean, if you ask an NFL owner, he's going to say, "Killing what? You know, I'm making more money this year than I did last year, and I'm making double as much as I did ten years ago." 
Um, sure. I mean, as long I, I guess I guess money tells the whole story. Is that basically it? Um, so if it's making money, it's depends making- what your view. I think I you and I you and I've talked about this as a business person. I think you've got to look at your business in the short term and the long term. Of course, you need short term. You got to pay your bills. Otherwise, there'll be no long term. But ultimately, you also have to look at long term. And sometimes you can take a lot of short term gains, and at the expense of your long-term vision, and in the end, you know, uh, you, you hit a wall. You hit that law of diminishing returns, and at some point, you you know, you get to the point where the game isn't what it was, and people stop. People like us, the base, as I'll call it, stop watching or stop caring as much. Well, they are bringing in the money, but uh, the story is out there that NFL attendance continues to decline. NFL attendance to games and. Um, there are a number of reasons for that, and most notably, you know, what it costs to actually go to a football game now. But um, that combined with the uh, viewing experience at home, what do you make of that? These monstrosities that have been built are going to find them – It's going they're going to be empty. I mean, opinion. I'm not just saying – I mean, I've, I've been pretty consistent in what I've told you. I've been to numerous games in the last, uh, let's say, five years, all college at this point. And I've been to a lot of NFL games in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, put it this way – Almost probably at least twenty in my life, so well more than the average fan. I just won't go anymore. It's, to me, NFL football is perfect for television. They stop the game too much. When they stop the game, uh, you know, I can go take a leak and grab a beer, <laughs> whatever I'm drinking that day or eating. Uh, right. And by the time I come back and they sort it all out, uh, you know, I'm ready to watch again. I've got like most people anymore a, a nice size TV with high definition. I've got the package and I've got a controller. So for me. That that's the way I like to experience the NFL. Now, college, I love college, and you go all the time because of your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, college football, to me, being there is 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 a big chunk of the fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I don't need to be in a suite. I don't need to be standing in a an old uh, Buccaneer ship or or anything like that. I don't need to be going down a slide or any of that stuff. That stuff just seems ridiculous to me. But I guess yeah. I guess we could call ourselves old for thinking that way. Well, I can only relate. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, okay, I've I've been around long enough. You know, not a front runner. I've been a Cowboys fan my whole life. Granted, they've been in front a large chunk of it, but they you know they've had lean years. Um, I used to watch every game. I mean, I'll tell you, there were years they were five and eleven when Dave Campo. I told you on the sidelines, all he needed was clown shoes. That's what I used to see when when he was coaching. And yeah. I watch every game. I wanted to see who is going to be developed for the next season. The last couple of weeks, like my wife's, like you know, you, you, you want to come with me tomorrow? Like yesterday, you want to run out? Uh, I said, yeah. I said, you know, I just want to be back by three or so. I want to watch a couple of these late games. She's like, what's it? Well, why are the Cowboys playing at four thirty? I'm like, no, they're playing at one. You don't want to watch it? Not really. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on with the product, but uh, I know the uh, the. The experience in the stadium is uh, declining. The attendance is declining. So I don't know where the NFL goes. Let me switch gears on you quick before we go to a break and and get into some other stuff. This is something that's annoying me, and I I have to ask you. You know, I'm watching some of these games yesterday with guys winning, teams winning with with less than great quarterbacks, okay? And it's really, as a fan, got me annoyed because I'm thinking to myself, maybe the the Cowboys staff sucks. Because you know what? I understand that 
Whedon's not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he looked fine yesterday in Houston, uh, maybe against lesser competition than some of his starts in Dallas. But nonetheless, he looked fine. I know. Wait, wait. Like, were I guess, you at this point thinking the Cowboys staff was full of brilliance? I, I hardly think that that's what you were thinking about. Um, I don't know about brilliance, but I mean, I figured you know they didn't accidentally produce a pretty good, a pretty damn good team yesterday, but last year, but maybe they did. I mean, I don't well, know. before you go in on these guys too hard, I think you kind of you know you need to know this. Um, how many step-in quarterbacks have we had this year that have um, you know come in and done well right away, and then uh, after a couple of weeks of Tate being out there on them, they're not so good. Like Brock Osweiler tonight would be a perfect example of that. Yes, yeah. I, I, I I agree. But I guess I guess the one thing that stuck out in my mind yesterday, and maybe it's not fair because he might be a notch above what I'm what I'm using as an example. I watched Fitzpatrick yesterday. Okay, to me, he he reeks of journeyman NFL quarterback who produced nice career for himself, but. There's nothing special, no offense if any of his family listening, about Ryan Fitzpatrick as an NFL quarterback. Other than he's throwing a, you know, Decker and Marshall, he does have some 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 guys he can throw the ball to there. That really does help. Geno yeah, Smith that's the same thing. You mean Bryce Butler wasn't doing it for you yesterday? No, not at all. Not in the least. <laughs> Okay, so you're saying maybe I shouldn't take the bridge and maybe Garrett's not a complete moron. He didn't get stupid in 10 months. It's just he's had a bad run of luck. Absolutely correct, sir. Okay, good. You made me feel better. I thought you were going to tell me that he's stupid and I should change teams. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what doesn't need to happen. So, you know, uh, Brandon Wheaton may indeed close this year out with two great games. Um, with notch under his belt and fool the Houston Texans into thinking that he is a, an, an outstanding quarterback and should be the guy in 2016. But um, I'd pull up on that because you know a lot of times you know you just you, you're a new guy and they just don't know what to do with you and uh, you can have some success. So uh, the Houston the Houston Texans are still in the race. Is that not correct? They're still in the race. They win next week. They're in the playoffs, man. That's unbelievable, Emil. I mean, because this team was dead out of the water. And I had already uh, – I had the Houston Texans um, doing pretty well this year. And at a certain point, I was like, man, that was a dumb pick. But here we are. I might I might actually – Well, here, here, here's one for you, and this is one of your pet teams, and kind of mine too. I mean, if they move back to Los Angeles, these guys would definitely, as you know, my affinity for L.A. sports. When I was a kid, these were these guys were my number two team in the NFL. I always liked the Rams because they were in LA and they had I liked their threads and all that good stuff. But every year, Jeff Fisher does this, and at some point, if you're the Rams, you have to figure we're jogging in place. Maybe we need a new coach. The Rams were four and eight. They look completely, you know, like their season was a disaster. Now they've ripped off three wins in a row. They're probably going to beat the 49ers next week. They're going to end up 8-8, eight and eight, and I'm sure the ownership is going to get fooled into thinking, we're moving to L.A., okay. Jeff Fisher's an L.A. coach. Let's keep Jeff Fisher because he won four in a row. We're headed in the right direction. And I say maybe it's time for a change with the Rams organization. What do you say? Uh, something's got to go on there because this is just the, the, the Dolphins. Just mediocrity year after year, and eventually mediocrity turns into what it is the Dolphins are right now, and that's just an awful stench. 
We need to take a break. It's time to talk some college football. We've had some bowl games that have just passed by us here. And we've got some other ones coming up, a little more exciting bowl games in terms of on paper, not saying that some of these ones that we've had have not been. But we need to talk about the week that's passed and the week that's coming in college football and the college bowl games. We'll do that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. paperwork. Are you a business owner and you're buried under a mountain of paperwork? You need an MVP on your team. And that MVP is MVP Business Concierge Services. They know that sometimes paperwork can get in between you and your customers. Why not spend the time doing what it is you do best? Getting new customers, handling the ones that you have now, and while you're doing that, you can have an MVP working for you. We know that tax season is the busiest time of the year for business owners. No more missing deadlines and getting IRS penalties for late filing. MVP Business Concierge Services will do all the hard work for you. They will streamline your payroll, streamline your finances, and have you on track. With trustworthy advisors that are very reliable, they will take the hard work away from you and get you back into what it is you're doing best. How do you get this MVP on your team? You call right now, 844-696-8722, 844-MY-MVP-CC, or send an email to info at mymvp.cc and get an MVP on your team today. Hey, man, how many offers do you have? Well, I got about 10. Miami, Florida, Florida State, Auburn, USC, and more. How many you got? None yet. None? <laughs> Is this you? Are you sitting there with no offers whatsoever? Are you a good football player? Then head over to gridironstuds.com right now. At Gridiron Studs, you can create your own profile for free and post your highlight video. College football coaches are visiting gridironstuds.com on a daily basis looking for prospects. But they won't find you if you're not there. Don't keep your talents on the field a secret. Put up your free profile right now on gridironstuds.com and get college football coaches' eyes on you. Visit us now at gridironstuds.com or follow us on Twitter at gridironstuds. Gridironstuds.com. Make yourself be seen. But I'm piped up. See that boy right up. He piped up. See that girl right up. She piped up. Pipe it up. Pipe it up. Pipe it up. Uh, 10.30 here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Uh, you, you touched on this a little bit before we get into our college football discussion. Um, you touched on this a little bit. Teams going back. Uh, you talked about St. Louis possibly going back to Los Angeles. Uh, I haven't really been following. What's the latest on that? How many teams are going back to L.A.? Is it just one team? Who's, who's Two teams. Who's on Two out of the three, and they've all filed. I, how about, I told you that last show. They have to pay $500 million, I read, to to relocate. You've got to pay the other owners. So 
Who you, has, wait a minute. What a great league. Who has that laying around? And just tell me, how quickly can you get that money back? Well, these guys are all billionaires. They're moving to the second biggest market in the country. I mean, I'm sure that the math works. But but what I find amazing is they move out of the second largest market. The NFL doesn't have a team there for, what, now, 21 years? 1994 they left. Now they're going to move back, which is to the benefit of the league. That's why they're moving them back. And on top of it, they've got to pay $500 million to the other owners. It's like, it, it, does that sound like Tony Soprano to you or something? Oh, just really has a Gambino feel to it. Just absolutely. Um, that's crazy. That seems like a major deterrent to moving. Let me give you my educated guess and, and, and see if you, you can tell me where I'm going wrong. Okay, there's proposals on the table like this. The Raiders and Chargers have proposed to build a joint stadium in Carson City. Now, joint stadiums have been used before, Um, you know, obviously the Jets and Giants. The difference there is they're in different conferences, not even in the same division, okay? The Raiders-Chargers is an odd marriage because they're bitter rivals for over 50 years. They're not only in the same conference, they're in the same damn division. Now, my guess is to make that marriage work, they would have to move them out of the, the, the conference and division. Okay, So in that scenario, taking a wild stab, they'd take one of them, move them to the NFC West, and move the Seahawks, who, for those of you who are too young to remember this, were started off in the AFC West for years, move the Seahawks back to the AFC West. Now, why do I say that's a problem? The four teams that are in the AFC West now, the Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, and Chargers, next to the NFC East, have the best rivalries long-term in all of football. Okay, Those teams go back to the old AFL, all four of them. Okay, I see no way the Chiefs and Broncos owners, as well as even the Chargers and Raiders, are going to want to be moved out of that division. And I don't see how you could leave two teams in the same division in a joint stadium. So I say scratch that. Another combination, you could have the Raiders and Rams going back. The reason I say no way there is they left in 1994. To me, that would be like a slap and a black eye to the league to say, we let these two teams leave 21 years ago, and now we're moving them both back. So for me, the thing I think makes most sense, and we'll see if I'm right here, I think the Rams are going back because the owner's from Los Angeles. He's an architect. He's you know, put together plans to build a new stadium. They're from L.A. The Rams were the original L.A. team. Not, the, I mean, the Raiders. The Raiders stopped in for 11 or 12 years and went back to where they came from. But uh, I could see the Rams because of their history. Pardon? Those were some great years down there in good old Los Angeles. The Raiders, you know, I read a good – you saw that 30 for 30. They never really fit the L.A. culture. The only thing that saved the Raiders, uh, you know, for a little chunk of it was the rap music, and, and the rappers started wearing the Raider paraphernalia because it was cool looking, you know, kind of yeah, fit they what they were doing the at the time. They captured a moment there and maxed it out. Yeah, they maxed out a moment. But they're they're an Oakland team. I see the Rams, and the other team I think makes sense to me is the Chargers. And the reason I say that is will people in San Diego be bitter if the Chargers leave? Sure they will. I mean, San Diego has this, in their own mind, this rivalry with Los Angeles, but it's tiny compared to Los Angeles. It's 90 minutes away up the freeway. You can still keep a large chunk of your fan base if you're the Chargers and you move because people in San Diego who are diehards can still make the journey to see games in Los Angeles, and you're going to pick up the L.A. fan base. The Chargers played a season in Los Angeles when they came into the AFL 
1960 or 61, and then they quickly moved to San Diego. But as you know, being out there, San Diego and Los Angeles really aren't that far apart. So no. for me, I think it's going to be the Chargers and Rams if I had to make a wild guess based uh, on what I just told you. Yeah, and that that seems to make sense, which doesn't guarantee that it will be done by the NFL. So I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. All right, let's flip gears and uh, go over to college football. We had some games played this weekend. Let's first talk about the picks that we made here. And you had a pretty good weekend in uh, college football bowl picks. You well, yeah, let me, uh, let me lay out what, what we're doing. Chad and I are giving 10 picks throughout the bowl season in every show where there's games in between shows. If we have games that we say our selections, we give them out. So this past week I had four that I put out for games that have happened since, you know, in between shows. Um, first one, I was on Akron plus seven and a half uh, in that ball game that they played, uh, I had no idea why they were getting seven and a half points, but, uh, you know, I'm, who am I to question Las Vegas? I just didn't think Utah State was worthy of laying that many points, and sure enough, they weren't. Akron, outright winner. Uh, so that one was easy. Then one that, I sh- you know, I should probably have to lose twice for this one. This was one of the two worst picks anybody could make this bowl season. Uh, I took Cincinnati plus one and a half against San Diego State. and Oh, the uh, grass skirts got them out there, Emil. They got you. You know, you you warned me. They got absolutely drilled. The only team that with a worse performance, by the way, was Northern Illinois, who lost fifty-five-seven to Boise State and got thirty-three yards of offense in the game. But Cincinnati was close. That they got absolutely destroyed out there. So that was a loss for me. And then I had two winners. Uh, I took the Washington Huskies, giving nine against Southern Miss. I like what Southern Miss did this year. I just felt Washington from the Pac-12. Had a few too many athletes, and I really like uh, you know Chris uh, Chris Peterson as a bowl coach and just a coach in general. They won by 13. That was a winner. And then I took Nebraska plus six and a half against UCLA. Um, I just didn't really see UCLA being incredibly interested uh, about playing a, a five and seven team in a bowl game. And Nebraska kind of played with a chip on their shoulder, and they you know they literally ran the ball down UCLA's throat. So I was three and one this past. Uh, past week and then for the whole bowl season I'm three and two so far in these picks uh putting my college record for the season at 26 and 21 and you did pretty well yourself so why don't you uh I, I did take a few I, minutes. I really should have had Emil a, a clean sweep of this board and I'll just go through it here with you took Georgia Southern in their game against Bowling Green I knew that offense that Georgia Southern runs would be a problem for Bowling Green um, it's just something that's very difficult to prepare for, not something you really care to see in a bowl game. And for someone like Bowling Green, sometimes you can go up against an offense like that, and if you have a tremendous amount of athletes, you can go in not as prepared as you need to be and still come out a winner. Uh, but that wasn't the case for Bowling Green, as they just eventually got overwhelmed by Georgia Southern. Uh, and and you know, Georgia Southern ended up with a big win in in that contest. Um Toledo, I took. Uh, they were a two-and-a-half underdog, two-and-a-half point underdog to Temple. I thought Temple had a really good season, but I felt like the 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 conference championship game against Houston was, was it for them. I think their season ended there for them, and uh, I just thought they'd have a problem getting themselves up for this bowl game. And Toledo, um, happy to be here and looking to do some great things. Um, came in and played the way that I expected them to, so... They came out and, and got the victory in the contest. Now, the Southern Miss, uh, I stand behind that pick, Emil. Uh, you did get a win <laughs> as we went head-to-head on that one. 
But Southern Miss was right there back and forth with this team, gave Washington everything they could handle at the end, though. Washington just made a play or two more at the end and ended up uh, covering the, the number. And uh, so I came up short on that one. Two and one. I think I'm two and two this bowl season, if I'm not mistaken. You are. And your overall college record's 28 and 18. So both of us are having pretty good college years. 28 and 18 for you, 26 and 21 for me. With you know, I have five picks left to make in these bowl games. You've got six. Uh, so you know, should should be interesting. You know, the the game we didn't take that kind of I w- wanted to get your take on was I saw, uh, you know, Washington State went out and handled Miami. I, I mean, it's not that Miami you know, didn't try. You can't say that. It's just that I don't know what they did. I mean, 14 points kind of surprises me. Um, you know, both teams didn't have a problem moving up and down the field until the snow really started coming sideways at the Sun Bowl. Uh, man, they've got to change the name to that game, just first of all. Or at least when we show up, the University of Miami, they do need to suspend the name of that game because we've been there twice and there's been no hint of sun and it's been the coldest damn bowl games you could play in. Both times that we've gone. All right, that aside, um, man, I uh, Mark Richt has his hands full. Um, I know folks are looking like, oh, well, there's talent there. Sure, there's always going to be talent there. I just think there's something deeper that's going on there that he's going to have to find what it is and get, get it flipped around and get it corrected. I mean, this is – I think we know what the deal is. I've written a, I've written an article about it. We've talked about it on the show. Things are not what they were in, in the 80s and the early 90s. And even for that moment in time in the late 90s, early 2000s, where, you know, Miami put together perhaps the best team in college football, things have changed drastically and dramatically. And you can't become more difficult to stockpile talent if you're the University of Miami. And there are more and more programs coming down in here and grabbing the South Florida athlete. And, the you know, the talent is getting spread out. And it just seems like uh, almost at, we're almost at a disadvantage. You know, um, it just seems. Well, here's what sticks. Here's what sticks out in my head watching a game like that. Now, if Miami just came out and got beat 28-7, where the you could say, hey, the effort wasn't there, then you'd say, well, we got what we expected. They just didn't want to be at the Sun Bowl. But I thought they played with some effort, you know. But what, what concerns me, if I'm Miami, you're playing Washington State, not exactly known to be one of the better defensive clubs in the Pac-12. You run the ball 29 times for 114 yards. You know, I would expect like a typical Hurricanes team playing a team like that, if they're into it, just run it down their throat. Mm-hmm. Am um, I wrong? Sure, why not? But, you know, that's that's not the deal there. That's not, that's not what this offense really has been. And they've had, uh, you know, a lot of trouble, um, you know, running the ball at different times this year. So, uh, I, I wasn't expecting that to be part of the game plan, you know. Uh, there were some peculiar play calls offensively. Uh, there were some bowl. There was some bowl game play calling. Let's say that a number of trick call, trick play calls um, in the game, and then the uh, the half pack pass was a killer. I think it was for most Miami fans that that just really sealed the fate there. Twenty to fourteen, put together something. Uh, and it doesn't need to be a trick play for crying out loud, but that's that might be just a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking there for me. So I'll tell you one thing: watching that game, and I'm, again, I'm sorry, El Paso, if anybody's listening, but th- that'd be a game I would not want to be playing in if I was an athletic director. No way, no how. Uh, how can you sell the city of El Paso during that game? Did it was did anything there make you want to? You know, plan a weekend with the wife in El Paso, Texas. 
No, I mean, matter, matter of fact, watching that game just probably made a lot of teams very, very, very grateful that they weren't sent there to play that game. Oh, man, uh, terrible weather and just seems gloomy. I mean, it didn't even have to snow for you to get that feel. It just felt completely gloomy. Let's touch on some of these other bowl games. I wanted to make Tulsa a pick. Just had a little bit of fear of taking a school from that conference against a school from this conference. I should have listened to myself because uh, Tulsa gave Virginia Tech everything they could handle. Who would ever think Virginia Tech would give up 52 points in a bowl game? Who hit the three-pointer at the end? It was amazing. Uh, I'm sure if we go through and run I, I looked up. I was in a restaurant. I saw the score at halftime in that game, and, and, I, and I had it clear in my eyes. It was like 45-31 at the half. I was like, wait, am I, am I seeing something? Am I, am I seeing a score for – are they playing each other in basketball today? 45-31 at the half. Hey, you know, Amal, 62 points is the over in this contest, and if you took the over, you were chilling at halftime. First quarter, end of first quarter, 24-21, 45-point score. You knew you were a winner on that one. So uh, it ends up being 55-52, 107-point scored in this bowl game. Uh, that's just what bowl games are all about. Is that basically what we're going to say here? A ton of offense. Yeah. Well, game. how about the Indiana team that went out and did what they did all season? They figured out a way to lose another heartbreaking close game. I mean, there's a team that's been in some games. Indiana finished the season at 6-7, and seven, but, man, you – you sift through their schedule. They had so many, you know, near, you know, they had the Ohio State game where they had the ball in the 10-yard line at the end. They lost by seven. They had the Iowa game. They lost by eight. They had the Michigan game. They lost in double overtime by seven. And then they top it off with an overtime loss to Duke in the bowl. I mean, you know, there's a school that's saying, what if? You know, what if we got three of those four? I mean, would they, you know, they'd be sitting on a hell of a season for themselves. Yeah, uh, absolutely, but it just just not the way that it worked out for him. Kudos to Duke going out and winning a, a bowl game in Yankee Stadium, by the way, 44-41. I mean, just look at some of these scores that we had uh, on, on Saturday. 44-31, the Washington Southern Miss game. Uh, Duke 44-41 over Indiana. And we talked about Virginia Tech and Tulsa, 55-52. Then Nebraska and UCLA, 37-29. Um, where were the Western teams? Michigan? We forgot that one in the directional game against Middle Tennessee, forty-five thirty-one. Did you say that? Yeah, uh, I didn't that talk about that one. And then the Georgia Southern Bowling Green game, which I had a pick on. Um, Georgia Southern putting up fifty-eight points. Um, the MAC has not really uh, shown themselves too well here early on in, in some of these bowl games. Yes, Western Michigan got the win in the uh, Conk Chowder Bowl down in the Bahamas. Why are we playing bowl games there, Abel? I don't know, but so so far I'll tell you the two impressive conferences have been the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. Yeah, um, yeah. The, I mean, usually the MAC can make some kind of a showing here, but uh, they've not looked all. I mean, they're two and two, I guess, or three and two, but the the couple of losses that they've had were completely ugly by some of the better teams that they had in the conference. So, I mean, but but back. Well, to let's this do point. this. We've got two games today and then four tomorrow, and then we're going to do a show on Wednesday to close out the uh, the year because we have, you know, New Year's Eve and, and, and New Year's Day. We're not going to be doing a show. So why don't we talk about the six games? We'll blow through them. We'll see if we have any picks coming up on these games between today and, to, and tomorrow. Is that fair enough? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. We can do that. Starting off okay, with well, Oregon Navy today, that's coming up at 2.30. I would lean uh, in the direction of Pittsburgh in this contest. I think they, uh, they, uh, 
they're playing for their running back, James Conner, who was diagnosed with, with cancer. I think they're going to come in here inspired. Um, Navy had a very emotional win at the end of the year against Army. They may be a little tapped out emotionally, uh, mentally, all that. I think I think a lot of the uh, motivation here lies on the side of Pittsburgh. So I'm going to I'm going to move in their direction on this. You know, Pittsburgh's a hard team to figure out generally as a program. They still mm-hmm. produce, you know, some elite NFL talent. I mean, I'm not even going back to the days of Hugh Green and, and Ricky Jackson and Fralick and Marino out in Dorsett. I'm talking guys recently. Larry Fitzgerald was playing yesterday. Curtis Martin recently got inducted into the Hall of Fame. They still produce players, but somehow there's been a lot of mediocrity. But I don't think this Pitt team this year um, is mediocre. The only game they lost that really surprised me was the, uh, the one at the end of the year to your school. Miami went up there and beat them. I thought Pitt would get that. But you look at Pitt's other three losses. Notre Dame, who's 10-2, and two, beat them by 12. North Carolina, who's 11-3, and three, beat them by 7. And Iowa, who's 12-1, and one, beat them by 3. I think it's a pretty good Pitt team. And I, I almost made this a pick, but uh, Navy's offense is screwy, so I, I'm not going to make it an official pick. But I'd be on Pitt in this game. Yeah, uh, well, we both see that one eye to eye. Central Michigan, I was really close to making that a pick in this contest, but uh, for some reason, my spidey senses were going off. So I'm a little spooked on taking Central Michigan, but if I was going to go anyway, in, either way in this contest, I would lean on the side of Michigan as a four-and-a-half-point underdog in this game. Uh, I know Minnesota wants to send Jerry Kills out as a winner, um, but just for some reason, I think Central Michigan, if not a well, straight-up winner in this game, is going to be able to keep this thing within a field goal. Uh, we see this the same way. I almost made it a pick as well, but I'm spooked by the MAC results. But, I mean, I look at this game and see, for me, here, here's the way I see it. Nebraska was able to play UCLA and get fired up because you're playing a team from one of the better conferences, um, and they're looking down at you. You're 5-7, and seven, you don't belong, and you're Nebraska. So that's a game you can get fired up for. I think it's very hard to get a Minnesota team that's 5-7 and seven fired up about playing a team from the MAC that they usually play in early September. Yeah. Conversely, you know, I think Central Michigan will be really torqued up for this game because it, it, it's a you know a, a nice win for them over a Big Ten team if they can get it. Right, right. Big Twelve, uh, excuse me. <laughs> well, listen, you're gonna have it. You're gonna give yourself a heart attack trying to figure all that stuff out. Sliding over tomorrow, Air Force in California. I have a pick on this game. If you have an opinion, go ahead with it because uh, I'll break this down a little bit. This is one of those games where I think, again, you're going to see a ton of points. I'd be over in this game. Um, I would take Air Force. I know what I'm going to get there. They can play, they're going to play hard. They're going to run that triple option. California is not really much about playing defense sometimes. I mean, they have their moments where they show a little defense, but for the most part, they're not interested in it. They give up 450 yards a game. I just see this touchdown too much. I, I, I didn't make it a pick, but I'd be on Air Force in that game. Uh, well, that's exactly the direction that I'm going with uh, on this. I think Air Force is going to be able to control the clock, control the time, control the line of scrimmage in this contest. And, you know, California is just not a physical football team. They will readily give up 200-plus yards on the ground against teams that are, don't run the option. So um, you can expect to be Air Force somewhere around 300 uh, yards rushing or, or more in this contest. And I think if you've got that going on, when Air Force can do that, they're really hard to beat. They did close out the season with back-to-back losses. They ended with three straight road games, which, you know, you know that's a difficult thing to, to get done. 
so there's some redemption for them. I think they need to they're gonna come into this game motivated to get them to end their year on a winning note after those back to back losses and, and obviously taking on a Pac twelve team is something for Air Force to get fired up about. I just think they're gonna out physical California in this game. Maybe California's passing attack and ability to score points gets them a late touchdown. Uh I'm with you though. Uh, I think a lot of points are going to be scored. That's typically the case when you've got one team that can run the ball hardcore and another team that's pretty good at passing it. California's terrible at forcing turnovers. In their last five games, Emil, they forced two turnovers in their last five games, and four of those games they went without forcing any turnovers. So don't see that. No, that just tells me that tells me either A, they have a lack of playmakers on that side of the ball, or and or that they, they just don't get enough hats to the football. You know, they're not real interested in playing defense because usually turnovers happen when guys are flying all over the place. And so, like, like I said, I, I, that's a really solid pick on your part. And I, I just I don't have as many picks left as you, so I refrain, but I really like that pick. Yeah, so what you're faced with here is a team that can really run the ball against a team that's not good at forcing turnovers, and that just spells to me Air Force being able to hold this ball long enough to you know possibly come out of this game a winner. So I'm going with Air Force as an official pick there on that one. So tally that up to my little list that I okay, have. Okay, we got that on your ledger. Uh, Baylor and North Carolina, if we can do totals in this one, I'd be on the over really serious on this one. Both of these teams have some pretty uh, – not only do they have good offenses, they're balanced offensive attacks. Um, Baylor rushes for 300 and runs and throws for 300. I mean, that's as balanced as you get. They average 300 yards rushing – uh, per game this year, and averaged 304 yards passing the ball this year. And on the other side, North Carolina averaged 223 yards rushing uh, and 263 yards passing this year. Neither one of these teams have a high interest in playing defense. Between the two of them, they allow 800 yards of offense a game. I just, I'd be shocked if this thing was any kind of a defensive battle. So I'd be going in that direction. Uh, in terms of picking Let me give you my – I have a pick on this one. Let me give you my concern with that over. And I, I, If I had to make a pick, I'd go over. But I have a pick on the side in this game. But in the over-under, Baylor's down to the third quarterback because it looks like the second stringer's doubtful. The running back's out. The wide receiver, Coleman's out. Um, my concern is they don't contribute. I See, I really like North Carolina in this game. Injuries aside, I'm going to take Carolina minus three. I look at – Baylor, they're nine and three. They're in a bowl game that they really don't didn't expect to be in. This was a team that had designs on playing in the playoff or at least uh, you know one of the major games. I have a feeling they're going to have a hard time getting up for this game. And conversely, North Carolina is a senior-laden team. This is their last game. They put together a really nice season. They gave Clemson all they could handle in that ACC title game. Uh, they're 11 and two. They can close it out with a great 12 and two season, which will give them a top 10 finish. I think they're going to go out and drill Baylor in this game. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they'll drill them, but if I was going to a side, I'd I'd be uh, going with North Carolina in this one. This is a step down, obviously, in terms of bowls for Baylor. Uh, this is not where they were last year, even though where they were last year was not where they really wanted to be, and it's certainly not where they expected to be this year. You're playing in something called a Russell Athletic Bowl. Uh, something named after a t- cheap T-shirt knockoff uh, gym shorts. And this is not something that they are uh, – I, I can't see them getting jacked up for this game. So I, I, I support you on that UNC pick there, my friend. Nevada and Colorado State, another game where I would be looking at the over. Both of these teams do very well offensively. 205 yards rushing per game for Nevada, 172 yards passing. 
195 yards rushing for Colorado State per game, 221 yards passing in another game in which you got two defenses that give up close to 800 yards together, you know, per game. So I think I, I see both teams moving the football, um, and I see a lot of points in this game unless, you know, you start having some trouble in the red zone or turning the ball over too much. But uh, I'd be leaning on the over in this one. So far as a side, um, tough call here. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Nevada, I think, but very, very slightly. Colorado State had better years in the past with Jim McElwain. And this is a little bit of a step back for him, I think, taking on a Nevada team in their bowl game. Maybe Nevada comes into this thing a little bit more motivated. How do you see it? Uh, What I see here is something that's confusing the hell out of me. Aren't these two teams in the same damn conference? Um, You better double-check on that, friend. I'm sitting here. I'm looking at the standings in the Mountain West. (laughs) And Colorado State is in the Mountain Division. And... Nevada's in the West Division. That's how you know we have too many damn bowl games. Okay. They didn't play this year, so I guess that's that's what they're going to sell us on. They didn't play each other. Uh, but uh, if I had to pick a side, I'd probably lean Nevada. I think overall they've been in their better competition. But I'm with you. Uh, to me, the game just reeks of over. I, I don't think anybody's very interested in playing defense in that game. Right. Uh be another one of those uh, basketball-type point scored in this contest. And then finally, uh, Texas Tech taking on LSU. You know, I almost went Texas Tech, but, you know, I'll, I'll, like you're thinking, I only get 10 picks in this thing. I might have some some better things coming up down the road. Uh would seem crazy that I would take Tech in this one, you know, uh, because they are just so horrible at playing defense. But you know what? I think they can be – I think there's a here's another game where you you might want to look at the over, although um, Vegas has kind of made that unattractive because the over in this game, Emil, is 74 points. Uh, might be the highest one that we have out of all of them, I think. I haven't run through them all, but well, I have a pick in this game actually, and I see I see this game a lot differently than you do. I, I, I see an LSU club that comes into this game a seven point favorite. Uh, their coach almost got fired to end the mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. They obviously love their coach because they went out there and in that game where they felt it was his last game, they they won 19-7 against A&M. Um, I think they're going to come into this game with a little more motivation than they normally would in a game against Texas Tech. Uh, the other thing I like is the physicality of LSU in this game. Uh, I think they can just hand the ball to Fournette and pretty much steamroll a Texas Tech team that allows almost 300 yards a game on the ground alone. Um, mm-hmm. So for me... I don't think LSU wants the stench of finishing their season losing to Texas Tech. Uh, they could still end up 9-3, and three, which is a good season, uh, maybe restore some faith in less miles. I think they're going to be impressive in this game. I really do. I like LSU to, to cover the seven against Texas Tech. Yeah, I'm a little concerned at at LSU being in this kind of a bowl game. It's not the kind of bowl game LSU is used to playing in. Don't know how much they're going to be able to get up for this thing. I hear what you're saying about Les Miles almost getting fired. Texas Tech can really throw the ball around. And if you're not super motivated to prepare for something like this, Texas Tech and their passing offense could be a serious problem. So while I don't think LSU will have much trouble running the ball with a Leonard Fournette, um, you know, maybe Texas Tech gets him to the ground two or three times in the entire game. Uh, I just think Texas Tech may be able to come back with points of their own and hang around in this contest. That's 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 what I'm looking at on this one. But we'll see which way this one falls. That so that wraps up our bowl 
uh, our bowl preview leading up to Wednesday. Just a programming note, our only other show this week and our final show for 2015 will come on Wednesday as Abel and I will break down the NFL weekend, the final NFL weekend coming up. Also, all bowl games leading up to um, Monday of next week, which will be just about all of them, as we will have to talk about some of the uh, college you know, championship games. And uh, so that that's a game, that's a show you don't want to miss. You do want to come back and hear us on Wednesdays. We're going to wrap everything up. The weekend wrap will be on Wednesday. Because I'm out of here on Thursday, and I'm heading up to the Citrus Bowl to go watch Florida play Michigan. Um, not really expecting an over in that contest. Just you never know, though. You can get surprised. That's a good game. It should be. That should be an interesting game. It really should. Two two of the better programs, uh, more historic programs in college football playing. So just look at it from that standpoint. So yes, uh, Wednesday we'll we'll be back and we'll talk about the games from uh, the 30th on, which are a lot of exciting matchups. We're going to take a break. We got to talk about the NFL, but more important, uh, Amol, what was in our yes. What was in our rectums in 2015? This always makes for great radio. I'll give you more on that when we get back on the Great Ironstead Show right after this. property owner or want to be one but you don't have time for property management then get an MVP on your team who has time for the letting process for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning dealing with deposit negotiations and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance no one's got time for that MVP does though get this MVP on your team you can rely on MVP property management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MYMVPCC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. Hey, man, how many offers do you have? Well, I got about 10. Miami, Florida, Florida State, Auburn, USC, and more. How many you got? None yet. None? (laughs) Is this you? Are you sitting there with no offers whatsoever? Are you a good football player? Then head over to gridironstuds.com right now. At Gridiron Studs, you can create your own profile for free and post your highlight video. College football coaches are visiting gridironstuds.com on a daily basis looking for prospects. But they won't find you if you're not there. Don't keep your talents on the field a secret. Put up your free profile right now on gridironstuds.com and get college football coaches' eyes on you. Visit us now at gridironstuds.com or follow us on Twitter at gridironstuds. Gridironstuds.com. Make yourself be seen.
1103 here on a Monday. Gridiron Stud Show, Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. Emil, uh, 2015 was a fun year, wasn't it? It was a great year, as far as I'm concerned. Sure, a great year from for most. And uh, every every year, uh, some people go and have a little bit too much fun. This always makes for great radio. Um, at the end of the year, you know, hospitals have to put out their reports of some of the things that you know, they had to deal with during the year. And uh, one of the more interesting reports that come out every year are the things that were found in people's rectums. So without further ado, let's run through a couple of these, shall we, Emil? Um, Please do. How about we start with a toy baby bottle? A what? A bottle found in uh, someone's rectum uh, in an emergency room. A glass bottle. I mean, I'm I'm hurting just saying that. Listen. Time out before you go any further. You cannot tell me any. One of our really good friends is an ER physician. I mean, this guy's been a friend for years. You, you, wait, there's nothing you're going to tell me. It's going to surprise me. He he's he's pulled ketchup bottles out of people. No word of lie. So what, go ahead. What goes on? What kind of party is it that you're at where something like this goes down? I have no idea. Here we go. Crayons and coins. Dice. By the way, what dice? If, if you're feeling lucky, uh, no word as to what came up on the dice when they were pulled out. Um, but if you ask me, if it got stuck up in there, nothing but snake eyes. If you ask me, so uh, handle a <laughs> handle of a toilet plunger um, that probably had involved some criminal activity. A toilet brush. Um, hmm. There, there you go on that one. Assault. I'm seeing an overarching theme here, but I don't want to get into it. But go ahead. Yeah, maybe you could save that for the end. If, if, if you somehow feel like you can make sense out of all of this, a salt shaker. Um, uh, don't know why pepper was hated on. A small toy. No. Don't, don't know what that is. It could be a fire engine. Uh, when you talk small toy, a large toy, which could be a larger fire engine. Um, plastic, <laughs> plastic squeaky. <laughs> Toy is <laughs> on the list. A, uh, Emil. Um, a, a screwdriver, just in case there was a panel in there that needed opening, um, and some wires need to be dealt with. A screwdriver. A screwdriver. A, a screwdriver. A uh, a water gun. That's a brain mm. plug. A bobby pin. Why? Why? Mm. Um, large elastic string. I feel like I'm missing out on things in life here. You know, people just what 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 goes on here? Marker in a glove. Um, you feel you feel wait you feel like you're missing out on something? Maybe there's some kind of party that I'm missing here because why these things are being done? There's just a whole world out there. Perhaps we're missing out on you and I. My friend, there's nothing I feel like I'm missing after this list. <laughs> Flashlight aerosol can. Um, oh boy. Shampoo bottle and now. Shampoo bottles come in all different sizes. We need to know the uh, the uh, maker. Can of hair mousse. Toy shark. Whoa. This uh, is egg. not good. An egg, Emil. An egg. An egg. Well, maybe that I could see that. That could be like a game. People got drunk at a party and they say, who can get it up there and get it out without breaking it? Not that I'd want to play that <laughs> game by any means. But. What are we drinking at this party again? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go into the list of uh, stuff pulled out of other or other orifices, but not going to do that here. But just listen, in case you had a boring 
2015. Just want to let you know there were some folks out there that had a really, really good time that ended up in the emergency room. And yes, so they did. You could feel fortunate about that, and you could feel like, hey, I have goals for 2016. And, <laughs> <laughs> man, it's always good to have goals. Step your game up. All right, how do we go from there to uh, where we need to go now? Let's review some of these games that went down yesterday. You know, there was a scenario yesterday, Emil, in which um, every playoff spot, <clears throat> excuse me, could have been clinched. Um, clearly, that didn't happen, but uh, that's interesting. I don't know if we've ever been in that position before, where where every playoff game could have been. Well, yeah, there's only one left at this point, right? I mean, that the one in the AFC. Yeah, which, you know, by the way, uh, we, we talked about last week the mediocrity of the league and uh, what a joke some things are. But you know what? That AFC is shaping up to be a really, really interesting race. We've, I mean, this, the playoffs are going to be pretty interesting in the AFC. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've got Kansas City that's absolutely on fire. You've got Houston trying to make their way back into this thing. You've got the New York Jets jumping up out of nowhere, becoming a double-digit win team. The Patriots losing three of their last four football games. Uh, now makes them less invincible and get, adds a little bit of hint of drama to this thing. And then, you know, um, the Denver Broncos, what are they going to be able to do? And, you know, we haven't even touched on the story that came out yesterday about one Peyton Manning. Should we address that now or later? Well, we can address it now. I mean, I'm still trying to fi- – I'm still trying to – I mean, I guess I'm, in some ways it's believable in that at the time he had the neck thing going on. I mean, he wasn't taking them – he wasn't taking them to get big because I'm telling you, if he took if he took HGH to get big, he, he got ripped off. Okay? Yeah, I guess money <laughs> he like, yeah, he no. needs his money back. He didn't do a Barry Bonds on us. Let's put it that way. Um, so maybe the neck thing, because all the athletes, if I'm recalling the list correctly, the two names that stick out on my mind were him and Ryan Howard. Both of those guys were coming off major injuries at the time. Howard had torn his Achilles in that uh, NLCS game in the last at-bat against the Cardinals. So I guess in in that sense it's, it's somewhat believable, but I don't know. I just I don't picture Manning taking a shortcut like that, but athletes are competitive. I don't know what to make of it. Do you at all feel sympathy for some of these athletes, especially those coming off of injuries like that, when they go this route to get themselves back on the field? Can you feel their pressure and feel their pain and have some sort of sympathy, if if indeed this was done by Peyton Manning? I guess I'm different with this stuff. I don't condone it, but at the end of the day, I don't really care. If you you took HGH to get over an injury, I don't care. I know that sounds horrible and callous. It doesn't bother me. Mm. So you are okay. Let me ask you this. We're probably getting off the road here a little bit. Were you okay with the whole steroid era in baseball? Uh, I didn't like it because I knew what was happening, and I knew that guys who were hitting 60 homers didn't have that type of ability. And having been a baseball guy my whole life, I knew that it just wasn't. I mean, think of it so this way. Brady Anderson was a 50-home run guy. Right. I mean, he wasn't. And two guys hit 60 homers prior to that, what, Maris and, and Ruth. And, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you got guys like Sammy Sosa doing it two or three times in a career. So in that sense it bothered me. But it didn't bother me into into uh, the sense that I think – the guys who were great in that era should be in the Hall of Fame because they would have been great in any era. Right. 
Um, and that's going to be a tough one to sort out as we get through the years here. Okay, so bringing it back to this, um, I mean, was this even illegal? Should this be should this tarnish Peyton Manning in any way? I say no. But what do you say? No. I, I, I mean, this, listen. It, talk radio. It's obvious if he did this. If he did this. It was it was injury related. He wasn't doing this to be able to throw footballs faster or something like that. He was just yeah, that, being you know doing that, it so that, he could move his head <laughs> normally. Right. Um, I mean, no come doubt. on, man. Yeah, no, no doubt. So I don't know. This one will probably die a quick death, don't you think? It'll. it'll Wasn't well, it reported by Al Jazeera? Yeah, of all places. <laughs> uh, I I found that strange, uh, but hey, they're branching out. Moved into I guess. I mean, what? ISIS didn't have enough activity over the holidays that they they branched out into football. Everyone's moving to athletics. Athletics makes the world go round, Emil. The quicker and faster that you learn that, the better off you're going to be. Even if you're Al Jazeera, uh, must take. Uh, even even Al Jazeera is getting into the NFL. See, that's when you know we've got a problem. Well, so, so, that's when you know that you're big when Al Jazeera wants to cover you. Yeah. Uh, let's let, so let's get into the action actually on the field here yesterday. Uh, the Bears and the Bucks. Do we want to talk about that at all? Disappointed in the in the Buccaneers, to be quite honest with you. Um, well, I think they ran out of a little gas at the end of the season. In that, you know, they're a young team. Uh, they they were in a position to maybe make a, a pretend run had they won their last couple of games. But uh, you know, they're, they're young. I mean, I I think six wins if they could somehow figure out a way to upset Carolina next week, which doesn't seem likely. Uh, seven and nine with an upset of Carolina would be a nice season for Tampa, you know, based on where they came from. Mm-hmm. And I also think that you know their, their arrow is definitely pointed up. So I'm not that disappointed in them. Well, you're a guy that's really into this stuff because the Carolina Atlanta game is the next game we need to talk about. Uh, and you know, just as a note on my picks, I went one and two yesterday, but I feel I should get two victories for picking Atlanta in this one. I really had a feeling that uh, the whole situation with Josh Norman and Odell Beckham uh, wore both teams out, as it appears. The uh, Panthers got their first loss of the year, and the Giants just completely, totally failed to show up for that Sunday night game against the Vikings. Um, So I I felt like going in against a divisional foe after a game like that was going to be a serious problem for the Carolina Panthers, who lost. But now, uh, Carolina's sitting there with, with with one loss, and now they have to play next week. They can't mess around with Arizona 13-2. and two. Am I not correct? Have they sewed up? No, you're right, and I think you were right in seeing a few things here in this game where I liked your pick. I said on the show I almost made it a pick myself, but I give you credit for pulling the trigger. Um, number one, the 38 nothing win for the Panthers a few weeks earlier in professional football doesn't doesn't do you a favor because, again, they're all pros. They get paid. There is some professional pride. The Falcons know that this team put one on us. They're coming to our place. They don't want that to happen again. You, you factor in the Josh Norman deal, and just the fact that the Panthers were 14 and 0, you know, and the, the odds are against them going undefeated. I think you made a really, you know, quality pick here. I mean, obviously you did, but I think a lot of people got trapped in this game looking at the score of the previous game. Sure, um, and that's you know where uh, Vegas makes a mint. But nevertheless, so what's the story? If if Carolina loses next week, if Arizona wins, who's 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 got Arizona's home? Arizona's home. I don't think that you know. I know 
You'll probably disagree, or maybe you will. I don't think it matters as much with those two. They're both decent climates. I mean, sure, it's nice to have your fans behind you. I'm not so sure. I think the biggest game next week with home field is coming up. We're going to talk about it, is the Packers and Vikings playing for the, the title in their division because I think the team that loses that game is done. Um, sure, and and I don't know. Green Bay doesn't look very good, Emil. Uh They were completely dismantled by Arizona. Arizona has just been uh, – and you talked about this as you made them a pick. The point differential for them is just absolutely positively cream teams, uh, especially when playing at home. Very impressive. I mean, Green Bay's not been all that great, but they were riding a three-game win streak coming into this thing. I did mention, you know, back-to-back West trips are always tough, but still, they went out and punched these guys completely in the face. And that's back-to-back weeks of just totally destroying opponents, and they've done that several times this year. So Arizona. And if you go through their schedule and who they've played and and the Panthers, I, I can comfortably say in my mind going into the playoffs, I have the the Cardinals as my number one team power wise in the in the NFL. Now we'll see if that holds true, but I just like what they can do a little bit more. I mean, my thing with the Panthers is I think Cam's had a hell of a year. We've talked about it. He should certainly be an MVP candidate, but their lack of ability to threaten the field outside I think really hurts them in a matchup with the Cardinals because the Cardinals secondary is is very good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh... I, I, and, and and while we were speaking highly of Seattle going into this weekend, just, you know, losing to the St. Louis Rams yesterday really bugs me. It just leads me to believe that in the NFC, it's a two-horse race. Uh, Seattle just is not where they need to be. And it's just, to me, Carolina and Arizona. However, um, we've kind of seen this thing before. Carolina, right, and everything's been about being undefeated. Then you lose like that. Can you get yourself back together mentally? And move on from that point. That's going to be the big thing for Carolina because I saw some of those faces at the end of that game yesterday, and it just had this feeling like this might be a problem that will extend beyond just one week here. So the door's open. It's funny you you say things that sometimes make me question if we had the same mother or something. But I was about to say that ten minutes ago when we were in an earlier segment, we got off track. Um, to me, the NFC really is a two horse race, uh, unlike the AFC. I really don't see a lot of different scenarios where one of those two teams is not playing in the Super Bowl. Um, For me, Seattle, I watched that game yesterday. Uh, Forget the Rams having their number. Seattle's just got some issues that I don't think they're going to be able to correct during this season. The biggest one, their offensive line stinks. Um, Mm -hmm. Wilson spends a lot of time running for his life. Um, That was not a game they didn't need because that game pretty much – assures them of the sixth seed in the, in the conference. Now, the sixth seed is going to go play the winner of that uh, Vikings-Packers game on the road, which is no easy assignment. Not that any assignment in the playoffs is easy, but I'd much prefer to play the Washington Redskins. So, sorry. I, I just I don't uh, see Seattle. While we're, no one was really paying attention on Saturday, the Washington Redskins clinch a playoff berth and win the NFC East. How the hell does something like this happen? Well, I've got I've got the the very easy answer for you. And I just saw this last night, and maybe you saw the same thing. The NFC East record in games outside of the NFC East this season is fourteen and twenty six. 
that puts them at, that's the worst record the NFC East has had since the merger in 1970. Wow. Wow, it's just been uh tragic. I mean the Cowboys have their reasons. Uh, not sure what the Giants reasons are and you know perhaps it is time for a change in New York. I think some of the late game, you know, we did say this might come back into play. Uh, think of some of the games the Giants lost because they couldn't manage the end of the game this year. How much better would they be feeling right now? Washington Redskins wouldn't have wrapped everything up had the Giants managed the end of two games in particular the way they uh, needed. But, Chad, Chad, you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago with the Tony Romo quote. All NFL games, almost all of them, come down to the last seven minutes. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, everyone would have had a Merry Christmas a couple of days ago. That's a direct indictment on the head coach. So, oh, it uh, is. They don't manage the end of a game. Uh, listen, that's, he's, that's what you do. And Coughlin's not that's what you do. I agree. I'm not arguing that point. I mean, definitely, I think that at some point you've got to look if you're the Giants and say, listen, the coach is there, the head coach, for, for those situations. And when, when they start going against you as consistently as they have gone against the Giants this season, to me it tells me maybe he's just not up to it anymore. And, you know, I look at the Giants, you know, they've had some – Tough losses like the, and don't forget, not just the coach. Remember the Patriot game; they had an interception that hit a guy. I mean, if it was a spear, it would have killed him. If he if he catches the ball, the game's over. He drops it. The Patriots go down and kick a field goal. Yep. Uh, at the very least, should be an eight and seven football team right now, and uh, you know, in a neck and neck. Hey, but by the way, I just gave you the NFC East is twelve games under five hundred outside the division this year. And it's still not the worst division of football. The AFC South is 14 games Let's under. Say that. What's the AFC South doing this year? Because they're uh, what's their record? 13 and 27. They just continue to stink out loud. I mean, like ban that whole thing. But nevertheless, that's how your that's how your uh, race is looking there in the uh, in the NFC. More intriguing in the AFC, but still flying through these games uh, as we're talking about them. Uh, Dallas and Buffalo, not a whole lot to talk about there. Neither is anything to talk about with Jacksonville and New Orleans. No. The Detroit Lions and San Francisco 49ers, that was a pick for me, so I do need to talk about that. You know, I was playing the whole go-against-my-better-judgment deal uh, because it was having such a rough NFL year, and that was the reason for picking the 49ers because in my right mind I would not do anything like that. And lo and behold, the Lions come up with uh, – they pick a fine time to – come up with a really great performance there. So they beat the 49ers 32-17, costing me a loss there. The Chiefs and the Browns, we talked about that. Chiefs played uninspired football there yesterday. I thought they let Cleveland do a little bit more than they should have been able to, but uh, you got to give them credit for for getting the win, Abel. Well, when I'm laying 12.5 and and it's one of my picks, I'm not giving them credit for anything, but yes, (laughs) they did get the win. (laughs) Yeah, the only loss that you suffered yesterday really... But how long do you know me? You know I'm bitter. Of course, when I get when I lose, and you should be. The Colts and Dolphins game caught a little bit of it, saw the reclining seats, and that's really how the Dolphins played. Like they were dead asleep, and there's got to be some changes there. I'm going to be interested in seeing what the off season is like. Perhaps you don't chase big time, high priced off season. That Ndamukan Sue thing did that pay off in any kind of way? Did we keep the receipt on that, Miami Dolphins? Well, you saw my post last week, and I, I'm, I'm, this is a warning for everybody that's a sports fan. Right now we have baseball free agency going on, but soon football will start. When your team wins the offseason, they usually lose because yeah. in the end that rarely pans out. 
That used to be the Redskins every year, wasn't it? They would win the yep. offseason, they'd grab all the high-priced free agents, and they'd have nothing to show for it. Perhaps they've learned a lesson or two. Or perhaps they just play in a real crummy uh, division in the NFC least. Um, really, seriously disappointed in the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. It was a 20-17 to 17 game, but Pittsburgh's problem still remains that they can't play defense. They just can't play defense. When they needed stops, they couldn't get them. Um, they gave up some plays that they really didn't need to to a Baltimore team that's just really dead this season. Pittsburgh cost themselves big time yesterday. They did, and you got to be careful as a fan when you're analyzing games. Division road games, especially this time of year, are dangerous. I mean, because when you're out of division, there's no natural rivalry there. So once in a while, you can get a team that might, you know, use the term lay down a little bit. But in those kind of games, I mean, Baltimore's had a miserable season. They're four and ten going in. They'd like nothing more than to know that they kept their most bitter rival home sure. from, for, the, for the playoffs. And they did it. They right. might have done it. Let's put it that way. So I'd be, I'd be very careful next week if I was the New York Jets because they're in a very similar situation. They go up to Buffalo. The Bills, you know that they would love nothing more, especially with the ties to, to the Jets organization that Ryan has. They'd love nothing more than to keep the Jets home for the playoffs. Oh, the Bills will be completely, completely, to use this term, geeked up for that contest. And so the Jets are going to have their hands full. So shape up this race force. What what do we got for the wild card in the AFC? How does that break down? What needs to happen? If the Jets lose next week, they're, they're out? Well, listen to this. Believe it or not, okay, Cincinnati, New England are obviously in, okay, and Kansas City's already clinched the playoff berth, not Denver. Now, a Denver win tonight, Denver's in. Mm-hmm. Follow me? Denver sure. lost tonight. Now it gets real interesting. Denver will need to win their last game to be in. Right. The Steelers can can be in with any combination of things. They need to win their last game, obviously, to get to 10-6. and six. Then they either need two Denver losses tonight and next week against San Diego, which doesn't seem likely the way San Diego's playing. But you never know. Again, division opponent. Right. Or they need a Jets loss to the the Bills. So the Steelers can still slide in if the Jets lose to the Bills or if Denver loses their last two games. Of course, Pittsburgh needs to win. So that's basically – and in the AFC South, it's very simple. Texans win, they're in. Texans lose and, and the, the Colts win. I believe the Colts win the division on tiebreakers. Boy, uh, can't wait for that whole – first-round game with the AFC South uh, winner. But everything else, very, very interesting in the AFC. AFC, more interesting race than the NFC. I'm sure we can agree on that. I'm not oh, sure. I mean, I have, no, I have no clue. I mean, I'm not as bullish as you know, and I don't think you are either. Most people think I'm crazy for, for, for not being as convinced that the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl, but I'm really not. I mean, I'm not as bullish on the Patriots as most people. How about this one? Bengals win... Their last two games, including tonight, the Patriots win next week. Who's the home? Who's got home field throughout? Patriots. Patriots need to lose to the Dolphins to have any chance for the Bengals to steal oh. home field. Well, there you go. Looks like the Patriots will be home for the entirety of the playoffs. Sorry, Patriot haters. You're gonna have to sit there and watch games at at uh, Foxborough. Um, yes. As we go through these play, at least one, at least one. So. That's that. That's a let's quickly recap our picks. Um, you know, before we before we get off here, I, again, I, we talked about my my Kansas City pick was my loser. 
we need to end on a good note. So I'll run through mine real quick. I had Atlanta. I want double credit for that. Can't get it, unfortunately. Atlanta in that game against Carolina, the only winner I had yesterday. I backed the Seattle Seahawks feeling like, you know, St. Louis is down. Seahawks are looking really great, trying to make a run here. No dice. St. Louis still has their number, ends up winning the game straight up. So that was a loser for me. And I already talked about uh, my reasoning behind taking the San Francisco 49ers, faulty as it was, uh, ended up losing for me. And so the Lions won that game. So I ended up 1-2. and two. What's my record on the year's whisper? 18-27 and 27 with a few pushes there. Um, uh, on, my side of, on my side of the ledger, um, I had the loss on Kansas City, very similar to your Seattle pick. I really thought Kansas City was rolling, and I, I didn't. Uh, knowing they needed the game, I figured they would not let Cleveland hang around, and damn it, they almost lost, but they didn't. And like you said, that's all that matters in the NFL. They got the win, but not for me. Um, I went and took the New York Jets yesterday, and a lot of people probably, when they heard the show when I did that, were having me checked uh, for, you know, for a psychiatrist. <laughs> But right. to be honest, I just I'm not real bullish on the Patriots and the Jets as 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 much as they tried to lose, the Jets were the better team on the field yesterday. Um and I got the win there. And then I took Arizona minus four against the Packers and that was probably the easiest or second easiest pick of the day if you like the Vikings. So uh I was two and one and that puts me at nineteen and twenty seven with a couple pushes. So uh slowly, believe it or not, the last few weeks we've been making a little bit of an improvement in the NFL. Yeah, we better get right in the playoffs. I know that for sure. Uh, we're going to have any chance at cleaning up our act in the NFL this year. This is the worst NFL year we've ever had uh, here on the Gridiron Stud Show. But again, we're giving you some quality college football. And you're going to have some college football today as we've given you an opinion on both of these games today. Um, and uh, we've got some action going on tomorrow. Again, a programming note, we will have our final show of the 2015 year. On Wednesday, MLI will break down the – we'll talk about the bowl games that have passed. We'll talk about the Monday night game, if it was at all exciting. And it will also break down the upcoming college bowl games, take you all the way through the end of this 2015 season and New Year's Day and beyond. and get you all set up for that. But we'd like to thank you all for coming in and listening to the show today. Thank you for being a loyal listener to the Gridiron Stud Show. And if you do love the Gridiron Stud Show, tell a friend. The more the merrier. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. See you guys on Wednesday. Can you